Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Basor, and today is episode 79. We are fast approaching that that century mark that uh, uh, we're, we're shooting for. So I'm uh, real excited uh, to have today on, on the show my good buddy Jason Crockett from the THCBD source. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me, brother. You, you got it. Most of uh, Michigan knows just as Crockett. So for people that didn't know Jay- Jason's first name, it's Jason. So, And then... Uh, Tom, over at Real Leaf today, um, love you working from home and then uh, smoking and the, uh, the the beautiful uh, the beautiful design going on behind your head. What's happening? The vortex. Oh man, yes. just here hanging out with Jason, man. He's he's here at the uh, at the homestead, and we're just shooting the shit, talking about cannabis like we always do. Oh, sweet, sweet. And uh, Kevin might be joining us here today. He's having a little bit of internet issues, but. Um, get into a little bit today. We're going to talk a lot about the market, Michigan market, and uh, you know, Jason or Crockett. I'm going to call you Crockett from here on out. Jason um, is uh, is is uniquely has a unique perspective uh, from the Colorado market and the Michigan. And I first met Crockett out. It was uh, a tour in uh, early 17. I think it was early 17, late 16. Uh, I was out in uh, Colorado, went out with some friends and. We were going to go out and uh, uh, use a service through that we had told about through uh, uh, a friend, and we called uh, Goldie, uh, and uh, we were got to tour some grows and some some processing and some stores and a testing lab out there, and uh, we went to, to Crockett's OG Medicinals, and he's from uh, from Michigan, from Detroit, and uh, you know uh, that was the first time we met, and. Uh, uh, Crockett came back uh, to Michigan and kind of linked back up and reached out and uh, you know we uh, we worked together on some stuff and actually made some money together thank you that was that was awesome uh, and uh, you know just have had a really good uh, business relationship and uh, and as a friend I like Crockett and I like to hear what he's got to say so um, with that I'd, I'd like uh I'd like you to kind of give more of the background of, uh, you know, you grew up, grew up in Michigan, went out to Colorado and then came back. And uh, what are some of your qualifications, what you're doing now? And then we can get right into the market. Uh, yeah, killer. I mean, yeah, for, I think Tom was with you on that trip too to Michigan. So that was not that one. Oh, Two separate trips. Oh, that was Tom was on the second trip. Hey, Derek I smoked, was. Derek I smoked was. a lot of weed when I was there and I've smoked a lot since. So everything <laughs> Derek, kind of blends yeah. together. But yeah, you know, I've been in the uh, legal cannabis market. I mean, I guess the legal cannabis market was about 12 years now. I started when uh, Michigan decided to become legal, you know, and I had a couple buddies that I I coached uh, in business that, you know, wanted some advice. And I started giving advice and they wanted an investor. And I said, you know, instead of me being an investor, you know, let's jump into it. I never was in the cannabis industry. I always liked cannabis younger, but it was very taboo if you remember back then. So I kind of steered away from it for a little while. But the bottom line is, you know, that got me going. You know, we had 
had the five times 72 plant count grow in, in Clawson. I had about 150, you know, patients that would come in. We did parties. We, you know, gave them their free ounce every month, the whole game back then. And yeah. uh, I had a music studio in the back and we threw ravers and, you know, eating edibles all day. And, um, you know, I, you know, and honestly, I had zero pictures from then. Like, I don't know what it is, but like 12 years ago, people just weren't snapping all the time. They weren't doing Instagram. You know, that's how quick time has flown. But I have zero pictures from them. It's so bizarre. All you get busted things. for that back then. Yeah, dude, that's true. That's why we didn't have pictures. Didn't <laughs> yeah, you get punched. You start taking pictures. Who's this cop? Like, oh, <laughs> they just take your phone. But uh, yeah, so, you know, and that's that's the whole thing. You know, the, the police and it got really crazy and we didn't, you know, I didn't get busted or anything, but it like it wasn't fun you know i have wife and kids i live in a nice neighborhood i just i, I just got really afraid and uh so I, I packed up my bags you know me and my partner you know we had built a hydro store and a, and a grow store in, in um in Hegel harbor and then we just decided to go and you know go to colorado and see what we could do because we wanted to be legal you know we just wanted to do it right and we stumbled across the 40,000 square foot building. We started doing, we were the first vertical rack row in Denver. So it was static racking, but it was the first vertical rack out there. And, you know, we built it really cheap and we got that thing up for 175 bucks a square foot. I mean, we really did a great job, kept it nice and cheap. And uh, what, you know, you don't need to, to build a spaceship to have great product anyway. So we built it right and do great weed. We actually had, uh, you know, we were pulling about 250 pounds a week. Um, we had, we were going 30 strains. Uh, we had the highest tester in the state uh, for like six months. Our, our Sensi Star got up to 38%. Our GMO, we were the first ones to bring a GMO. We had it at 36%. So of the 30 strains we were growing, uh, 20 of them tested from 28 to 38%. But a lot of that's due to the, the climate out there too. You know, it's a lot drier, you know, there's no moisture level. So, you know, you lessen the moisture in your product when you're doing testing, you're gonna definitely get higher potencies. So, I mean, it's a little skewed. Um, oh, and the beauty out there too, is you could actually take from the bud, you know, that the, the smaller buds underneath the cola are your more potent buds. So I was actually able to take those buds put them to the side, dry them, like like do them in a, like a dryer where you do food drying. And I was able to get it so dry that it was perfect. And then they would come hermetically sealed container, take it, test it. And in three days I had my potencies were off the charts, but we can't do that here. So, um, but. Were you the originator of uh, the Veritas method? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we were not, but we watched them when they started because those those three light boys were out there and they were they were running their techniques. So we did try it when it first started. Um, so it's very interesting. Uh, we were still just old school basement boys that just kind of ran into this monster facility and uh, we just learned on the go. Everything we did, down to every room, you know, if I, you built a grow, Tom, it's like you start with this room and then we go to this room. We know we got to do this room and we're like racking our brains like we're going to be harvesting in a month. This room needs to go up, you know. So we just learned everything on the fly. We did a great job with it and the proof was in the pudding, you know. So when did you come back? What made you come back to Michigan, and uh, what have you been doing since you've been in Michigan? 
Yeah, so, you know, we're from Michigan. I had young kids. Uh, you know, being out in Colorado was great. You know, making money is great. But you know, I wanted to be by family, and I had a couple other business ideas. So I had uh, parted ways with my partners, came back to Michigan, and uh, decided to build. I, I took some ideas from Colorado. Uh, you know, I, was, I sold everything. I didn't need any sales guys. So I sold everything on the shelves. Um, and I had some brokers out there that would come to me. And these guys were old school Colorado boys, been there for a minute. And, uh, you know, they were coming to me and they were like, you know, hey, wait, what's your menu this week? What's your menu? And I'd be like, I didn't have anything, but eventually I started having stuff and it really worked out well. They were like putting together deals where this guy wants 20 pounds a week, every week for so long. And, you know, it was really awesome. And then, um, you know, I, I kind of saw the way what they did right and some of the things they did wrong. Uh, and I was, you know, I'm a really good sales guy. So it was like, I, I came back here and I told my wife, I said, hey, you know, I'm going to start this brokerage and this is what I want to do. You know, I want to I want to bring the knowledge I have in Colorado and the stuff I've learned. And I want to be able to move product for not just one company that's stuck in the shelf. I wanted to be able to sell for multiple companies. So at, at this point, I have uh, 36 companies that I sell for that are under contract. I have six sales guys and, you know, we just do really well. But, uh, you know, uh, I also have a couple other things. I have shares in an outdoor grow and an extraction lab and stuff like that. But, um, you know, bottom line, that's what I that's what I do. So I'm in the market every day. You know, we we did, you know, incredible numbers this year. Uh, and, you know, I guess I'm here to really answer any questions. I do a lot of meetings. I'm in probably six grows a week, you know, either consulting or you know looking at their harvests or bringing people in like you know doing licensing deals with people so i'm really kind of everywhere like right now i'm in calcasca you know it took me three hours I mean, and then i'll be in the up tomorrow so oh sweet yeah well love in the up um but yeah beautiful that time of year um Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for that info, uh, Crockett. And uh, I know um, we should go ahead and let uh, Tom start it off. Yeah, I just wanted to say, man, I, I did the same thing that uh, Ryan did when, with, with Goldie and, and my first actual commercial facility tours. And uh, that's when I met you. And uh, it was really like the, the crux of where I decided I can actually do this. I can scale up. You know, so I was like, if these guys can do it, <laughs> we can do it. And no, but, but your crew was awesome, though. Everyone is kicking ass. The plants look really, you know, happy and healthy. And, you know, really, that was a big thing for me to actually get, you know, to grow a pair enough to, like, say, I can just scale up and, and, and try this whole thing out. So I do appreciate that. But you also been a great wealth of knowledge throughout the process. How do you see things with um, how how things have um, evolved in Colorado versus Michigan, like what, like warning signs. We have, we've got some things we need to be keeping an eye out for. What things should we be looking at for changing? What, you know, what what's your opinion on? Well, that's a lot of questions, and I can actually answer every single one of them. But you know, where do we start? So, uh, Colorado's just light years ahead of us, right? You have a you have a more medical minded community. They actually are a little more health conscious out there. Uh, it's, it's just a different thing. So the knowledge that I learned on the market out there is is, is going to take us time as a community here to uh, really understand that next level um, and I'll just give you one example right when you do uh, ratioed products like three to ones two to ones one to ones even eight to one CBD to THC products 
they're literally the best products on the market. And anyone who tries them and anyone who grows it, and anyone who does it can vouch for it. But selling that to a patient coming into a store, hey man, this is two parts to one CBD to THC, they just don't get it, you know? And it's gonna take a long time for these guys to be able to bridge those type of, uh, you, you know, that type of mindset because everyone's just looking at potencies right now. Everyone's looking at prices right now. You know, it's still a heavy flower market. What are we at? Like 60, 70% still of the sales are, are flower, you know, whereas Colorado was 80 to 80, 20 from concentrates to flower when I left. So, you know, you're just more educated. So I have faith. I believe we'll get here. And I mean, I talk to business owners every day and we have the same conversations. They wish, you know, they could like, 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 like example, like a guy would go, man, I want to launch this thing and this thing's going to be great. And I said, well, listen, if you launch that, you're not going to sell as much as you think. If you had 10 SKUs and that was your one hard SKU that you just, you love, that's probably going to sell one to your if you're making distillate cartridges, you're going to sell a thousand distillate cartridges and sell 20 live resin, full rosin press crystal, you know, whatever the heck you're doing. It's just it, people just are uneducated. So it's going to take a little while, you know, that's actually uh, on a follow up. I had somebody ask me uh, last week, a uh, family member, you know, hey, well, what's the one thing that that you know, that you, I guess, have a hard time with or surprised, uh, you know, now that we're here with this market and, or that you don't like. And I tell people like 12 years ago in my dispensary on Michigan Avenue, like the, the customer base was so much more educated than it is now. Um, they, it was, it was THC didn't even come up. It was all, but we were terpenes, cannabinoids. It was, it was it was all that it was medicine RSO was 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 huge we had three to one two to one uh, one to one I mean it and that's what people wanted it so I, I hear you on that we used to be like that but it's it's gotten so fast and I've kind of seen on the the border towns which I love to sell on um, you know they're they're even farther behind obviously because it's you know Indiana you can't be out in the open and learn about marijuana as much in Wisconsin so Good point on that, and and and, and you're right. Um, but my question would be: Is uh, last year, you know, we 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 felt Croptober, um, and there was a lot of reasons it was so harsh. And then it was almost like the faucet turned back on again, right around end of February, beginning of March, and and we were off. Um, how? Are, what are you feeling like for for this year? Obviously, there's way much more way more flour on the market, but then there's our sales are, are, our state sales are way up too. So. So which part do you want me to answer the, the croptober answer and then the flower sales. So the croptober answer would be, so, you know, it's very interesting um, and nothing but love to my extractor brothers out there, but you know, it's really, it's a feeding frenzy for them on some of these croptober guys. Cause that stuff really doesn't affect flower sales as much. You know, it's just biomass, right? So that biomass is extremely important for this, for our system to get rolling. And this is the first year you're really seeing real biomass from Michigan. Because last year, what people got in late, there wasn't big outdoor stuff. You know, outdoor biomass last year was very slim. But this year, you know, I, I supplied about 60,000 plants this year. You know, I saw places that, you know, had 12,000 plants and 10,000 plants and 4,000 plants. And, you know, some of those big boys, like, you know, you know, down Southwest, you know, have like, you know, a hundred thousand plants and stuff like that. So I, all I really am saying is I hope 
that we can sustain our own oil production for the next 10 years because you know you've you saw a lot of oil coming in from out of state you saw a lot of stuff being skirted through the system and it was really unfortunate because it drove down prices to good people that really you know did a lot of hard work i don't i mean i'm a part you know i'm a slight share partner in an outdoor grow and i was there once a week it's hard work and you know for these guys to do stuff like that was just really unfair but you know money's money right so uh which i don't agree with i love the game the money comes you know but the point i'm making is you know going forward as our outdoor grows we should be able to supply ourselves and supply our own oil we should actually have a good track record and we'll be able to understand the numbers of what we need to produce to produce enough oil for the for the upcoming year right you want to produce it all and then you want to drip it out and then until the next year and then be able to do it again and keep on cycling that so instead of everyone just having all this oil and dumping it because oil prices right now are 6500 right i have some boys for selling 6500 i have some guys at 8500 but 8500 still low you know it should be 10 12 and i get it for cart guys and stuff that want to make money but it's like there's still cost to do business and you know what what is out west i mean they're at 39 45 you know they're they're still cheap and um i guess long short of it i think we're in a good spot and i think this next season's going to be even way better. What do you uh when do you think will come out of the of uh, the Cracktober as far as on, Crocktober? on the Cracktober? The Cracktober, <laughs> that's the new thing, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I have to patent that, trademark that. Um uh so what when do you think we're going to come out of that? I know um as abruptly as it started last year, it it went back the other way, you know, like we talk about in Michigan. If you take a vacation for a week or two at the wrong time, you missed out on a lot. Um and it was about end of February, March. Um you got any guess on when all of a sudden it goes up where, you know, there's, you know, the people that sell cannabis like a commodity are going to be raising their prices again. Yeah, so however many people are listening and watching, you know, this this game's been going on for a while at the caregiver level to this level every time this year it's always low, you know, really good products, a lot of it's easier to grow, climates are better for indoor growing. Um, you know, so it's it's just like this every year. I almost say just take a vacation December, January if you could do it, you know, <laughs> stop your cycles in July so you can like miss a couple harvests and go on vacation. But um I think we're going to start coming out of it here in the next 2 months. I mean, it's going to be every spring. I know people that are still sitting on, you know, thousands of pounds of biomass and I know people that have trailers sitting on their lots of fresh frozen just sitting there waiting, you know. Um everyone's trying to do splits, no one wants to buy anything. It's just the way the market is. But uh you know, if you guys know from last summer, it was like it was a feeding frenzy. What can you find me? What can you get? I need this, get that, and I'm hunting and hunting. So, you know, that's why i said before if we can sustain ourselves all these guys that did those freezers and did those freezer trailers and did their oil we shouldn't have that feeding frenzy we should always be supplying ourselves through those outdoor grows so as long as these people are patient you know they start making money cuz you know you you're doing a lot of output as these outdoor grows they're they're not making any money it's they're spending every month what it could be 50 grand a month i don't know but the point is is that has to come from somewhere so as long as these grows get up and everything is moving properly they should be able to sustain and we should probably never have a shortage. So this year we're going to get out of it and then I say by next year it's going to be really clean. So in about 2 months you'll start seeing everything start to spike back up. 
Hey, Jason, it's Kevin Pibus over at True Cannabis. Um, I've actually met you on the phone with John. Uh, we spoke a little bit ago um, about some product. And uh, so it's nice to actually see you and meet you in person. Appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I did have a comment going back to um, you talking about Colorado and comparing it to Michigan. Um, I did live in Colorado for 13 years and moved back here in 2014. So kind of similar story to, to your situation. Um, but the one thing I, I did notice in Colorado quite, uh, quite, quite right away um, was that there is a lot more money in Colorado. And, and so when I would go out to eat with, uh, with my friends here, you know, it would be like fighting, you know, for, for the last dollar to pay the tip. When I got out there, it was like who people were fighting, throwing their credit card out, who's going to pay like voluntarily, you know, it was just a weird situation. But, um, with that all being said, you know, you, you see in communities where there's, there's less money and people eat less, they, they eat less healthy. You, they eat cheaper food, things like that. Um, you were mentioning Colorado at 80% concentrates at this point. Do you think that that has a direct effect on there being more money in Colorado that people have that to spend the extra to buy something that's more expensive? And do you think that that will convert over here in Michigan or do you think flour will always be something in Michigan because there's a little bit less money and we're a little bit more blue collar than Colorado is? Well, you know, honestly, yeah, and Kevin, it really is nice to, you know, meet you face to face kind of electronically as well. Thank you. Yep. Um, <sighs> Colorado's different, right? It's very transient. You have how many people come there? Thousands of people a week just come there just for hiking and biking and skiing. So that's something we just don't have here, right? And if you're going to Colorado to go skiing for a week, you got to have a little bit of money. So yes, the, the money there is not always just by the people who live there. It's just they have so many visitors, right? Their, their population there is a third of ours, but the amount of people that come there on a timely basis is like triple ours in, in a month. So it's like they just it's just a whole different world. So you like think about it when you go on vacation and you go somewhere, you don't mind spending a little bit more money because you're on vacation. People just do it. I, I had this two thousand dollars allotted for the thing I'm going to buy. Right. It's just a mindset. And yes, you know, it is a very affluent, very uh, uh, expensive place. I mean, I was renting a house and it was thirty eight hundred bucks for almost two thousand square feet. I mean, I wanted to buy a house like the one I have here. It would have been $2.5 million. I mean, it was ridiculous. So yes, I mean, that does make sense. I never really thought of it that way. You know, you have more money, you buy more expensive things, and then they become a little bit more educated. And with more money becomes, you know, I'd like, it's not all the time, but it becomes with more educated people too. So more educated people that are making more money really look at things a little different like you said you know people that are less income not that they're not smart but they're not as educated in markets so they are just looking for the least expensive thing maybe they don't you know they're just trying to smoke weed you know they just they're not going i need a three to one you know they're you're correct you know that's why pre-rolls here are just nuts I, you know that was the craziest thing coming back i'm like two things i was like i came back to michigan i go distillate people are actually buying distillate it was the craziest thing i ever heard because distillate was the last thing you did in colorado it wasn't the first thing it was like oh shit, i gotta turn this into distillate you know but, but distillate here is like the most amazing it's gold and then pre-rolls there were like what willie nelson there was jane west there was you know a couple different uh pre-roll brands but that was the only pre-rolls i saw because the bud tenders were making the pre-rolls from the bottoms of the the the, the jars at the end of the day it was very rare that people made pre-rolls out of their own building. So it was it's just so that I guess goes to what you're saying that it's a little more affordable. 
you know, pre-rolls are easy, three bucks, five bucks, you know, go to Suntry, get a $6 pre-roll. So I think, <laughs> you know, this market is going to be like that for a while, I would assume. What's our biggest market, Detroit? You know, so I get it. I wanted to ask you uh, about what's happening now is like we discuss this quite often about this uh, whole, you know, kind of a race to the bottom or possibly just more of a separation between classes and levels of grades of, of flour on the market right now. Um, where do you see things? I mean, right. It seems like everyone's, everyone's selling prices are going down. Where do you see this thing kind of leveling out in your opinion? Yeah. So we are very fortunate here in Michigan. We have some of the best products in the country. I mean, you go all over. Colorado's weed is shit, dude. I mean, even though our stuff was great, you know, by the time it got through the transport, got to the place, got on the shelf and got into their hands, it was dust, you know, so the weed just was not good. And I think that goes back to your other question. That's probably why concentrates are a lot better there too, because the weed really was not that great. Um, so we have, it's a, we're in an interesting spot here because everyone go, grows really good weed. And the, and the difference between someone's like Tom's, you're like yours is, you know, pretty high. Like I have three grows that are like at that echelon that you're in and it, it, it's very hard to get there. But the difference between you and someone just right below you is like, you're going from like, I would say like an eight and a half or eight and three quarters to like nine and a quarter. I mean, the variable, the difference is not that much but it's noticeable to the keen eye I agree with that. so even the stuff that's mediocre is still freaking better than most places in the country so uh it's going to be interesting um i think people that run these grows need to really do their math and get their cost down per pound if you can get your cost down per pound around $500 cost with everything, your rent, your gloves, your nutrients, your electrical bills, everything, get your cost down, you know, a thousand dollar pound is reasonable. You know, you don't have to sell a $2,000 pound to be profitable in this game. You know, everyone's so used to $2,000, $3,000 pounds. I think people really need to look at their grow, understand their numbers, price accordingly and don't be greedy and you'll have a wonderful business. And I think once that happens, and it takes time for that type of data, right? You may only have four harvests. You don't have this data, but once you get that data and you really look at your numbers, I really believe that, you know, the really good stuff will sell higher and the really, you know, low stuff will sell more and less, you know? It, so I hope that answers your question, my brother. That was that was good. Uh, I got a, a follow up to that because uh, you you sparked a, a couple things that I talk about and I act like I I know what I'm saying, but uh, you know maybe I don't. So I'm gonna run it by you. Um, you know, in Colorado, it went from caregiver to the regulated pretty quick. There wasn't it was a, it wasn't a lot of years in between. Um, and in Michigan, it took forever, you know, like, we, uh, so there was a different base and then the consolidation kind of happened up in Colorado, like where some of the bigger companies came in and bought up more. And a lot of the, the some of the smaller original guys sold, um, is what I've heard. And then that brings to the point, like a live well being really successful out there. And their model is the, is, you know, in Illinois, it, it works. And in Pennsylvania and Florida it work where you, you grow as much weed as possible and you remediate it before you send it to testing and then you and then you have it and then you sell it and you know it can be pretty high in thc but it's not very good and then they're they're looking to be the lowest you know they, they fluctuate but then they're the lowest in the market so they um 
there's from in Michigan they're doing that but like uh, there's growers out there that are pretty much almost debt free their cost per pound is low 400 350 and they don't remediate so they're I feel like they're kind of running into um, a different thing here where there's these you know the little guy that's super agile and has done everything themselves like uh, Kevin and and Tom um, Maybe it's a little bit different, and uh, it might be a little struggle. How, what is that accurate, or tell me I'm wrong? Or well, Livewell is a different beast, right? Um, we, we can't compare to that Livewell, and they and they love it. And this is not a slight to Livewell. I'm not here to slight anyone. I think everyone's business is amazing, and everyone has a different game plan. And God bless everyone for doing the way they want to do it. But they have more of your Walmart model. They grow stuff cheap, they sell it cheap, they sell a ton of it, and that's their model. Um, the only thing I didn't like about groups like that is a lot of times they do things to, uh, you know, adjust the market, right? They'll hold product, and then they'll dump it onto the market, and then they'll adjust pricing in their favor. Like that happened to me when I was in, in Colorado. So when we came out, prices were at 1800 bucks, you know, and that was really good. But by the time we were, had our first harvest, uh, LiveWell, they, they put out, I don't even remember the number, this was years ago, but they put out enough that my prices went from 1800 to 1200 within a month. And we, we couldn't compete. The $100 ounces started to come to the table and it was just something no one had ever seen. Now they built an amazing company, you know, and I think it's a family business. And, you know, it's not a bad model, it's just, I mean, look at any party store, look at any bar, look at anything, you know, the cheapest stuff sells the most. It just really does. And the highest end stuff just doesn't. But, you know, you need both of those classifications. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say about that. Well, one would like to think in a more mature market that things actually do settle into, you know, everyone settles into a lane. You know, there's grades of quality that are obvious to most people once you start getting into cannabis you can set it next to each other you can look at it you smoke it smell it and you know that's just you know as long as just the whole party store model with you know they're, they're going to sell a ton of nat natty light all day long and that's great for people <laughs> that like natty light you know but it's just it was it's when people are not playing in the same and, and everyone's trying to compare you know peaches to apples and you know it's just impossible and you just Hopefully people are, uh, you know, starting to, to see, you know, what's out there. But the problem with this mass produced flower is just making sure that that we are identifying remediated products before it hits the market. If we're talking about health issues and stuff like that. Was that anything? Is that something people did out west as much? I'm sure. But because of the environment being drier in Michigan, we have just such a, you know, high humidity load and water load in the state that that we have to handle is this something was that remediation was that even something that they're they're doing or even talking about up there yeah uh remediation and interestingly enough when i was there a lot of the rules were changing and a lot of you know because every week our compliance label changed so the you know the growing there was pretty insane but you know honestly no one remediated there um what they did because i mean even since i've been back here it's really remediation started people are turning their stuff into hay now they actually have good rad source machines and it actually the product is sometimes a little better you know but 
the point is, is I didn't see any of that there. It's like you, you, you tested it. It failed. You had one more test, and if it failed, you had to kill it. You know, there was, and and before they didn't have any of that. Yeah, I think if you failed a test, it was like you had to get rid of it. Uh, luckily, we didn't fail any tests, so I never had to deal with that in Denver. But, I, you know, honestly, remediation was something I just started seeing here. You know, I had never seen it. And Tom, you're right. You know, we have a different climate. We have a lot more moisture. We have a lot more microbials. You know, I think in Denver, since there is no moisture and the air is very thin, molds and stuff don't stick to surfaces like they do here. It's, and what we had mostly there was PM because the PM floated through the air and it would always get in through your vents and it would get in through, because if I was in a lane, because I was over off Peoria, I had, uh, you know, Mary's Medicinals was my neighbor, you know, I was overrated in that area. Clinic was back there. So, I mean, I had all these monster facilities, but everything that went into the air went into our ducts and into our system. So we were constantly battling PM, but you don't fail for PM. But, uh, you know, so we weren't failing tests, but we battled, like we battled hard. We, our preventative maintenance SOPs were through the roof, you know, so. Are you... Go ahead, Kevin, you're mute. Kevin, you're muted, brother. Oh, sorry about that, guys. Um, you know, just a, just a comment about uh, what you asked, Tom. When I was out in Colorado, and from what I've heard from from people that still operate out in Colorado, it's it's not the same testing. They don't come out the lab, the lab and randomly select. You actually, from what I understand, turn in your samples. And, um, you know, that's where I heard of people soaking their weed in alcohol and then letting the alcohol uh, boil off and then submitting it so they didn't have microbials. I've heard of... Um, of actually uh, people growing weed at their house and uh, bringing that into their facility and submitting that as the tested product to cover the stuff that's at the lab because they can't get, or at the, the commercial grow because they can't get their commercial stuff to pass. And then there's also, um, from what I understand, there's the, the GMP where um, some people only have to test once a year. So it, it's it's not like every crop like we have and randomized samples and things like that. So I that's nutty. That. And that was like, that, that loophole has not been closed as of today. Does anyone know? That's, that's insane that that's allowed to happen. Jason might have more on that. Are you talking about, you know, becoming process validated? No, well, I'm actually talking about um, the the randomization of sampling to get a true sample of what's going out to market versus allowing somebody to cherry pick and also, you know, do things to the product, you know, in order to skirt the system, so to speak, and completely making the whole process of testing devoid. You know what I mean? I guess like, is that something that's still you're allowed to like send in your? Uh, we'll we'll have our fact checkers look into it, and we'll get back to you next episode and move on. How about that? Well, <laughs> you know, when it comes to testing, you know, if, if you're an honest business owner, you're going to do it the right way, and if you're going to be dishonest, you're going to do things the wrong way. The, the MRA out there was very very strict, and if they caught any wind of you doing something, I mean, here they don't watch us like they did there. We had random people. We had people come with badges once a month. And they would check you. And if you didn't have a badge on, they would fine you. So it was very strict there. So a lot of people didn't skirt the system. Um, there were ways, you know, we're from Detroit. The minute we went there, we looked at all the rules. We're like, oh, there's ways to cheat. But you just don't, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, but the testing there was just way better. You know, if you did it right, like I said, you, you, you pull the proper buds, you dry them properly. What was really nice about it, say we harvest, because we harvest on Monday. We harvest on Monday, 
we would take the buds off is exactly what we needed from that harvest. And by the time it was dry the next Monday, all our testing was back. So we were always selling exactly what we harvested. So here in Michigan, the process takes so long that a lot of times you're keeping two and three harvests in your backlog because you know, you're, you're always three weeks in a rearage in your product because of the way the testing is here. So I really believe if you do it right, then you should be able to test by the time your stuff is dried and trimmed and everything, your test should all be back and you should be able to sell it instantly because storage here is, is an issue for a lot of places. So, and it, once again, Tom, like guys like Tom and other guys that we work with, you know, we are very picky on who we work with. They're very, you know, they're very strict. And that's what, one of the key things we really like for people. I believe that the good people will do it the right way and they should release it and make it a little better on testing. So I think testing here is probably the, the most worst ran portion of this whole business. Agreed. Well, J Jason, if I'm not mistaken as well, uh, the the MRA out in Colorado has has access to your cameras at all times, correct? Where we don't have that here? No, they don't have access to it. They would have to request access and then they had the, the same 40 day DVR backup. Um, I think it was 45 days here. I think it's 30 days here. It was 45 days there. So you would just have to, when they came in, they were like, pull up, uh, look on a calendar at this time, you know, and you would have to pull up that time. But, you know, if you're not speeding, you're not going to get pulled over for speeding. So we had no problem, um, you know, with any of that. So uh, it, they, it, even with the metric tagging, you know, all that stuff, you can go outside your building and ping, you know, how many plants you're having there, how many tags you're having there. And that's what the, the RFID code is on there. Uh, so really everything, they would have to physically come and look at your data. Hey, Jason, um, crack it. Uh, uh, so, like, right, brother. so, uh, if, uh, you know, we have a lot of the people that listen to the show are, are in the industry and they're different license holders. And, um, you know, that's just, uh, really, really, uh, um, our target market and what uh, what as far as like if somebody wants to get a hold of you uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you and, and who are you kind of uh, looking to meet if, if it's something like that um, yeah I mean you can email me it would probably be the easiest way it's Crockett C-R-O-C-K-E-T-T -T, like you see at THCBB source if you look at my, my name moniker it's pretty much Crockett at THCBBsource.com um, you know, honestly, what I'm looking to meet is just good, like-minded people. All I do is bridge gaps between companies and finding the right company to fit with the other right company. Like that's one of the reasons I'm out here. You know, I'm, I've got a really amazing group dune grass out here that is just does a wonderful job up north. And Tom is, you know, is the best. So he's up here uh, doing his thing up north. And I thought it was a great relationship for them to work together instead of, you know, really selling their stuff all over the state. Let's keep your stuff local. Let's let's really because I mean, a lot of their brands are local names. I mean, people downstate wouldn't even know what Cal Kushka is. It doesn't make sense to them, you know but people up here get it and dune grass and they're very local they're traverse city boys and you know they really support all their local things they do coat drives they do all kinds of stuff and i have nothing but love for those guys they're really amazing so you know that's what i try to do so anyone that's looking to meet people or looking to understand the market or you know even understand their own inventory um you know we we're willing to take on you know some more people we have a great sales team I'd love to sell, you know, even if you have your own sales force, you may just need help moving certain things or you're looking for certain things, you know, and at the end of the day, I just, 
I'm a relationship guy. If I, if I never sold anything for Tom or sold anything to Tom in my life or even you, Ryan, I mean, I'll be your brothers forever. So I just really love meeting people and getting to know people because you never know. You never know who you could help. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I can, I concur with the dune grass guys and that's a great fit, uh, relief and dune grass, uh, um, redemption's been in their stores for a while and, um, just really well run and it's cool being, uh, local up there and they do, they're all about the Northern Michigan. So really cool. Um, ran out of time today. I wanted to uh, give Tom and Kevin and Jason a chance to say goodbye. So Kevin, take it away. Yeah, Jason, sorry I got in a little bit late with you guys, but um, it was good uh, chatting with you, good meeting you face-to-face, and, and uh, appreciate you coming on the show and, and your insight on the market. Uh, it's invaluable. So uh, thanks again for coming on, and uh, have a good uh, new year, and, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Yep. Tom? Hey, man, you're sitting right over there. <laughs> what can I say? After this, we're going to smoke some mac and cheese, and we're going to hang out. I wish you guys were here. And, uh, you know, it's always great to talk to you, man. It, you know, we can do this all day long and we probably will. Yeah. That's the truth. Any uh, parting thoughts, uh, Jason? No, nah, just, uh, I love it. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I know it was uh, kind of a flash thing, but, um, you know, if you ever need me on again, you know, I, I have hours of this, this stuff. So um, once again, have a blessed 2022. You guys are amazing. And uh, this year is going to be great. And I, I really, I see Michigan taking a turn and uh, you're going to start seeing some really solid Michigan brands going forward because all you guys out there branding right now, you're going to start seeing your stuff getting staples in these stores. And I'm really excited uh, to see what happens over the next four years. Wow. We appreciate that. It was great having you on, and uh, we'd love to talk about the market. So maybe, maybe we will have to do some quarterly updates, and uh, um, you know, we're we're willing to improve the show any chance we get. So uh, thanks for being on. If anyone wants to get a hold of uh, with Crockett, please do. Uh, we've known each other for a while, and, and bounced a lot of ideas, uh, and. You know, look, looking forward to being back up at the MICIA Summer Annual uh, as well. So with that, we'll see everybody next week. Adios. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.